As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Also know the best case scenario and be very careful about leverage and about liquidity crises that can happen. And don't put yourself or allow yourself to be in a position to where you can experience a liquidity crisis. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Matt Recor. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. How are you, Joe? I'm doing great, and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Matt. He purchases between three to eight properties per month in Northern California, and even in his rising, expensive, hyper-competitive market of Northern California, he's been able to negotiate many transactions where his seller carried back financing at 0% interest. I definitely want to hear more about this, which is why we're having our conversation. He's also written a book, describing how he does it entitled How to Purchase Real Estate at 0% Interest based in Sacramento, California. With that being said, Matt, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. So my background was in the tech world. I worked at Cisco Systems starting back in 2000. I was the youngest engineer there at the age of 21. And I just didn't feel like it was for me though long term, especially after the dot-com crash hit and wanted something else, something where I was more in control of my future and all roads pointed to real estate. So I got into real estate investing part-time around that job in 2002 and started buying properties then. And then right around 04 and 05, right there towards the end of 04, I got really scared of the market in Northern California and just wanted out. So I sold my rentals, sold my personal residence and actually bought a lot in Texas and also decided to leave the tech world for a little while. So that's how I got into the business. What scared you about the market in 2004, 2005? 
the crazy mindset that I saw just popping up everywhere around here in the Sacramento area, a lot of cash out refis, a lot of loans that were interest only, that were mainstream. There was a lot of no income, no qualifying loans being given out. And it just scared me. And I also got a chance to go to a seminar by the guy by the name of Bruce Norris that laid out how California was going to have some hard times ahead. So with his advice and my own gut feeling, I ran for the hills, per se. <laughs> I ran for Dallas, Texas, but being a remote landlord actually wasn't for me either. So I ended up selling most of those and then went back into the tech world and then got back in full-time into real estate investing as a full-time investor in 2013. On a related note, episode 982 actually interviewed Bruce Norris, and it's titled When to Be an Aggressive Investor. So in 2005, you sold your stuff in Sacramento, and you bought in Texas? Yes. What did you buy specifically? I bought a lot of single-family homes. How many? Uh, I bought 13, and most of those actually were new construction. I went to builders and bought a lot of their standing inventory. They had a lot of standing inventory at the time, and they were willing to discount it. So I would go to like a D.R. Horton or even a smaller builder. Like back then, it was Gian Homes, and, but mostly D.R. Horton and negotiate it corporate-wide to buy a bunch of houses. So most all of those 13, I think probably 11 of those were from one builder, D.R. Horton. And yeah, we bought their standing inventory homes that were sitting on the market for a year or so and all brand new and got a nice discount on them and then put tenants in them. Where are they located? They were all over. They were Frisco, McKinney, Rowlett. I don't know if you know some towns there, Anna. There's a community called Savannah up in North Dallas. So DFW area. Yeah, all DFW, all North Dallas. That's and, a good uh, area right yeah, now. Yeah, it was really good. But being a remote landlord isn't all it's cracked up to be. And I learned firsthand how property managers can really take advantage of a remote landlord. So you got to be careful with them, even if you have three or four managing your stuff. And turnovers can really hit you hard if you have like four or five tenants move out at the same time, if you don't have another income source. So anyways, I so chose what, to- what, what happened? What, what are a couple other things with you being a remote landlord, you got the short end of the stick? Well, you have a hard time really looking at the price of things when a turnover happens, for example, when a tenant moves out and the manager on the ground says that it needs this amount of work and they also make a 10% commission off of all repairs. So that was pretty much the standard back then with my manager. So you get a $7,000 bill and they get a $7 commission. So they're looking to get that bill as high as possible. Mm -hmm. And so that, that really impacts cash flow. And when you don't have feet on the street or you don't have the ability to walk a house and see, you know what, that doesn't need to be done. This is a rental. We don't need to fix that. So you don't have that ability there to really hone in. And so I ended up going down from, I think, four managers to two managers and then just decided to cut back a little bit. You had four different property managers for 13 homes? Yeah. So I'd, wow. give one, I'd give each one three. My plan was to say, I'll give each one of you three or four and see which one I like the best. And okay. I quickly, quickly found that two of them, they weren't that responsive. I felt like they were overcharging me on things. And I quickly let those go, gave my other units to those other two managers who I liked better. So I let them compete against each other because property management, it's a really low margin business is what I've come to find. Yes. And it's tough. It's a tough business to be in. So there's some people who work it really well and some people who just try to get the most from every owner. So you really want those that are high integrity, who are on your side. And 
that's why I employed the four managers and then cut them back down to two. Do you still have those 13 homes? No, I sold them at different times just because I didn't like being a remote landlord. So now I just have a few of those thinking about paying them off actually and just keeping them for the long haul. How many do you have? I have three. Three. Three, So you sold sold 10 of them? Yeah. So I've just focused in on my local market and focused in on building my rental portfolio locally where I'm at and getting great seller financing terms at 0% interest, 2% interest, 3%, 4% fully amortizing. And there's no bank limit on those. There's no limits as to how many you can can have when a seller and you come to terms on the terms of the deal, there's no limit. You can have a thousand single family homes all carried back with seller financing. And we are going to spend the bulk of our time talking about that because I'm fascinated by it. I just have another follow-up question on the 13 homes. So you sold 10. What about those three made you want to keep them up to this point in time? It was location and it was how much repairs to the properties we're going to have over time. So I really wanted like a 3-2 that was around 1,500 square feet. So that's what I kept. And I kept them in great locations where there was a lot of growth coming. So Frisco, there's one in Rowlett, and then actually one in Forney where there was a lot of growth coming and had it. I got it at a really great price. Seller financing terms, you're getting 0% interest from sellers. How do you structure that? It's really structured with a blank sheet of paper, honestly. And it's structured with the offer being given to the seller. So a lot of sellers, they get cash offers from buyers and they get other types of offers from buyers. But I like to give them multiple offers. I like to give every seller a cash offer and then maybe a seller financing offer with interest only, a seller financing offer with a little bit of interest, maybe 3 or 4% interest, fully amortized. And then a seller financing offer that's close to retail at 0%. And I first heard about the idea back in 2004, 2005 from another investor. And I didn't implement it until 2014, I think was the first time I started to send out or introduce the idea of principal-only payments to sellers. And I was very surprised when I got my first yes. And then I got my second yes and a third yes. And I think I've had now six people say yes to 0%. So is it three or four? Cash, one, seller financing with interest only two, and seller financing that's close to retail price, but 0% interest? It depends on the deal. If a seller has a paid off property, then they'll get like four offers. If a seller has a loan in place, let's say it's a small balanced loan, then they'll get an offer where we pay off that loan and then the balance that's carried back, there's different terms on that. So they'll get a cash offer and they'll get an offer where we pay off the loan and we carry back a balance at different rates. So they get maybe two or three different offers on that carry back balance. And then we may even introduce a fourth option, which is us taking over their loan and also then carrying back a, a small portion of the balance too. So in that case, some people might get five offers. And so I like that idea so much better than just providing a cash offer because when they get four or five offers from me, they're less apt to shop and they're more apt to say, okay, well, let's talk about offer number two. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about offer number three. This is interesting to me. How does this work? How do I know you're going to pay me? And what's my security? So the conversation starts to go deeper and the greater rapport is built because I offer to share my financials. I offer to share my track record to give them references to other sellers. And trust is built in a much greater way as time goes on there. Will you walk us through one of the properties that you got 0% interest and just tell us the numbers on it and maybe the backstory too. 
Sure. I'll share my second deal. My second deal was in a really expensive neighborhood here in the Sacramento area. The seller called and he wanted retail. He was a former loan officer, retired and had, I think at the time, around six rentals. They were all paid off. And he wanted to start to sell them piece by piece, but he wanted retail for it. And retail on that house was a little over 500K maybe 520, 525 at the time. And my cash offer was somewhere in the high threes, honestly. And he said, no, he said, I want retail. And I said, well, okay, I can do, I think at the time I said I could do 480. And then he said, no, well, could you do 490? So I then sent him an offer that was 490, 10,000 down and 480,000 was going to be carried back over 240 months, which is over 20 years at 2000 a month. So 2000 a month over 240 months equals 480 grand. And he said, yes, sure. He said yes, because of a few reasons. He was currently getting 2000 a month in rent. And for him, he didn't want to be a landlord anymore. He wanted to slowly get out of the business, but he wanted to keep his cash flow. So his net after taxes and insurance was around 1600 a month on that property. So my offer was going to give him 400 more in his pocket. And my plan was to raise the rent to 2400. I saw that the market could support up to 23 or 24 on that. And then with my taxes and insurance of 400, I was going to be at a break even with him, but 2000 a month was going to go towards principal every month. So I saw it as a great way to get a property close to retail, but with a lot of principal pay down coming in a neighborhood. So this house was in a really, really nice neighborhood. So he said yes, and we closed, and I raised the rent up to 2400 The tenant stayed in place, and that house is still one that I own. I've owned it now for two years, and my principal is now down to about 420 or so, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And the house has gone up to maybe 560, 570. So now it's essentially a wholesale deal. Like if I were to see that house right now, I'd probably offer all cash 420 or so, and the house is worth 570 or so. So now it's become a wholesale deal, but it's in the long-term keeper pile of my rentals because there's no way I could sell that with those terms. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you're basically breaking even and you put $10,000 down, but the break even, you're building equity in the property because you're paying down the principal over time. And should rent increase, then maybe you'll make 100 bucks or so a month. Who knows? But it's really about the long-term play. Yes, absolutely. And it's like a forced savings account. right? Yeah. That 2000 a month is a forced savings account that I don't see. It doesn't show up in my bank, but it shows up in your net worth statement. Mm-hmm. As well, it's not taxed. So it's savings that you get the benefit on, but you don't have to pay taxes on it. So it's not like earning regular or ordinary income. So it's net worth that grows, but you're also not being taxed on it. So it actually, I could have something else that cash flows three or four or 500 a month that maybe that house might be a negative some months and that cash flowing property could offset that so they could balance each other out. You've done six of these. I'm going to choose a random number, one through six, but not two. And will you tell us about that one? Yeah, let me... Sh- let four. Me, uh, I'm going to go four. Random number's four. 
Number four. Let me go into the book. Oh, number four was an interesting one. This turned out to be a 0% interest deal in a vacation home market here in South Lake Tahoe, which is about an hour and a half from where I live. And this one was one where I took over the seller's mortgage because the house was going to foreclosure. And I actually found out about this as we were in escrow that the seller had a loan mod done back about five years ago. And they had, see, I took over the balance of like 260 and they did a loan mod to where they moved around a hundred thousand to the back of the mortgage and 160 of the mortgage was being paid over time. And the other hundred grand was essentially at 0% interest off to the side, off to the shelf and wasn't being touched. So it was essentially a 20 year loan on that hundred grand that I didn't have to do anything with. It was off to the side and I was just paying down the 160. Well, what's great about that is in a vacation home market like that, my payment was only 800 a month. And the market rent on that was around 14 to 1500. So that's a different type of 0% deal that I came across because I inherited a loan mod. Will you summarize that real quick one more time just so I make sure I'm following? Yeah. So the bank negotiated a take to split the balance up and they took 160 and they said, okay, to the previous owner, they said 160 of that, we're going to fully amortize that at 2% interest. And then we're going to take a hundred grand of the balance and we're going to put that on the shelf and you're going to have no payments and no interest on that. You'll be doing the property sales in 20 years when this loan's paid off, but we're not going to have you pay anything on it. So really the balance, all that was being paid down was the 160 at 2% interest. So really that became a great monthly um, deal, especially in that market, South Lake Tahoe. It's tough to find inventory there. It's tough to build there. It's tough to get deals and stuff to cash flow. So I actually partnered on that with someone in my office who works for me and he goes to Tahoe all the time and kind of used that as part of his compensation package. And we partnered on that deal because he was going to be using it a ton. And so, yeah, we kept that in the office and he got a huge win out of it. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best advice ever would be to get started. Just do it. And learn every day you go to school in this business. Every day I learn something new. Every day I'm growing and expanding and applying what I learned six months ago today or what I learned today to a situation that's coming up. So best advice is to get in the game and just continue to learn and grow. And your knowledge is cumulative. So you're going to make better decisions as time goes on. And it's always best to mitigate your risk and Plan for the worst case scenario. Also know the best case scenario and be very careful about leverage and about liquidity crises that can happen. And don't put yourself or allow yourself to be in a position to where you can experience a liquidity crisis. So Joe, there was probably about six different pieces of advice there. (laughs) There were, and that's helpful. And then even as much or perhaps more for some listeners, your approach to how you're doing these deals because you're living and breathing exactly what you mentioned. It's a cumulative process, the learning is. And you started one way and now you've evolved it based on your education to another way. And it's working even in a market that is incredibly competitive. And in your second deal example, you were working with the former loan officer. 
they know their stuff or they should know their stuff. And the creative aspect of this wasn't how you got the deal. It was the actual loan. So <laughs> the loan officers approving it because it makes sense for him, then it's something that could work for other people too. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. Let's go. All right. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net. Okay, best, you know, I'm changing this question up. How about, what's the best book that you've read most recently? Oh man, best book recently? A book that I've gotten a ton out of recently has been Loving What Is by Byron Katie. That's impacted me the most, and the principles behind her work have imp impacted me the most. Best ever deal you've done that we have not talked about? Ooh, I would say the offshoot, two come to mind right away. First would be the offshoot deals from that one seller who came to me and said, this worked out for me so great. I want to sell you a couple more properties, but the other ones are going to be at 3% interest. Is that okay? I said, absolutely, that's fine. So there's a couple more deals that came from that seller, as well as another 0% interest deal in an area that is very supply constrained. They wanted 50,000 down though, and went ahead and did that deal. And rents have almost gone up about 70% since I did that deal. And I'm quickly paying down that mortgage. And there's another 0% interest deal I just thinking about as I talk to you that we've paid down a ton since we've got the deal and rents have more than doubled since we got it as well. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Oh man, I've made a mistake. A recent one would be one where I got sued. So I got sued about a year and a half ago because I bought a house with the occupant in place and I bought it from a trust and just so happens that one of the beneficiaries of the trust was also living in there. I didn't really think much about it. I had a lease. Well, one of the beneficiaries of the trust was also married to a woman who didn't like the fact that she was going through a divorce with the trustee of the trust. And she decided that she wasn't going to leave no matter what. And she then hired an attorney. And it, Sounds like a Jerry Springer episode. Oh, my gosh. It got horrible. And there's actually a win that came from all that. The attorney was amazing. And he kicked my butt. And I had to pay a big settlement to get her out. How he much? Pretty much, that was 20 grand. So she left, but he pretty much kept all that money because her attorney's fees were so high. And I've adopted that attorney. I've hired that attorney now to be my attorney. He's been my attorney on probably seven or eight different unlawful detainer actions, and he's amazing. So there was a win that came from that, and that he actually put me on the stand for an hour and a half during a regular unlawful detainer hearing, and I was sweating, and it was horrible. 
and I was in the right in so many ways, but he found a couple little loopholes that my attorney messed up on and he was able to win and then secure the settlement for me to settle. But anyways, I adopted him as my attorney. I hired him and he's become a friend of mine. And that was another huge lesson in that you got to know about the occupancy situation when you're purchasing a property and get the story and get the lease and really understand what the dynamics are and where you're exposed and where you're not when you're buying with occupants in place. Best ever way you'd like to give back? Honestly, at home, as much as I can. Time, presence with my twins. Just had twins a year ago. Congrats. Um, with my wife. Thank you. Thank you. I would say at home and then with my team, but primarily at home and with my parents and family. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? They can get in touch initially through the book. They can go to Amazon and learn more about the strategies of buying at 0% interest by typing in how to purchase real estate at 0% interest or my name, Matthew Recor. And the book is, I think, around $17 right now. And then there's ways to contact me in the book if they'd like some extra coaching or help or support in a deal or a question that they may have as to how they can implement the 0% interest strategy into their market. I'd be more than willing to help and coach them. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about your transactions with the 0% interest how you offer three to five offers on a property, and then some case studies. And then you were talking about the attorney that you adopted and the lesson you learned. The lesson I took away from that is you saw the bigger picture because most people, I'm going to say most people, would be offended and pissed off at that guy for putting you on the stand for as long and would hold a personal grudge forever against him. But you were seeing the bigger picture and you saw that you could make a foe an ally in the long run and help you out in the long run. And that takes a lot of vision and swallowing of pride a bit in order to do that. And that, I think, is a microcosm of how you've approached your business as you've evolved it. So thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Great to talk with you. Thanks for the compliment. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.